with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Tonight, we have a very special guest, one of my good friends. We became good friends. Stephen Bancars. He has a new book out. It's called The Second Coming of the New Age. I've had him on the show. I don't know. How, how long ago was that? Was that was uh, that a like, year and a half? Has it been that long? Yeah, it's been about a year and a half. Dude, that is crazy. It is crazy. I can't yeah. believe it's been a year and a half. A lot has changed, but you're still doing the same thing. And in that time, you launched this new book. And I think we did one show. Actually, we did two shows with you. You told your testimony in one of the shows. Mm-hmm. And we su- we had such a high response. And people are always hitting me up. When are you going to have them back on? When are you going to have them back on? So I had you back on. And then we went kind of, uh, we did a show on where uh, witchcraft came from to how it's leaked over into today's culture. That show also was amazing. And mm-hmm. people were hitting me up. When are you going to have them back? But life got busy. Uh, you've been traveling, writing a book, and then we got reconnected, and the book's out. You're here. So I think it's crucial because the content is always banging that I want to do two shows with you. Let's do it. So we're going to let it rip. I want to plug his book again. It's The Second Coming of the New Age by Stephen Bancars, and we're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff today. But before we get going, um, I would like you to kind of start just with your testimony. Okay. Because so, there's a lot of new li- listeners now. I don't know yeah. if you know this now, but now we're on 109 stations. Last mm-hmm. time you were here, we were on like 50-something. So there's a bigger audience. We're on a rock station called FX Radio as well. Oh, great. So there's music listeners. I think the last time I saw you, we were at Vans Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. That you, was the last time, yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the last time we... Yeah, it was the last Warp Tour, too. Yep, it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> here in LA. Yeah, still have that uh, appreciation for heavy music, even after I came to Christ. And, yep. Um, it's cool. There's a lot of bands like Sleeping Giant, uh, August Burns Red, O Sleeper, that have um, done a lot being bold for Christ, you know. But um, my testimony, I was... Um, born and raised in a Christian household, like a lot of people. Uh, my house was extremely, extremely religious. Uh, we're talking about no Lord of the Rings allowed in the house, no Pokemon allowed in the house, no Harry Potter allowed in the house, right? Well, I understand Harry Potter. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm scared of Harry Potter. I, I just watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy recently, and, and it, was, uh, it was a very well-made movie, you know? It's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, so my house was extremely uh, religious, extremely spiritual as well, Pentecostal parents, charismatic parents, uh, homeschooled under a Christian curriculum, uh, went to a Christian private school, uh, grew up in a synagogue for about a year and a half, a messianic synagogue. Yeah, where we were keeping all the high feast days. We'd have five-hour services every Saturday. Then we started having Messianic home groups once a week at our house. We'd observe all the dietary laws, all the high feast days. My parents were just interested in that area of Christianity. Right. And when I hit high school, um, I started to get interested in the topic of aliens. And uh, that is what started to make me question uh, biblical Christianity and fundamentalism. Because at the time, I didn't have any answers to the questions I was asking about how are these people being pulled up onto UFOs? How, how, do, how do we reconcile all these different species of ETs, the Greys, the Arcturians, these people who are coming back, they're drawing these entities, and their stories are all consistent. How do we parse that with um, the Genesis creation account? You know, when did God create all of these different species of ETs? How did they tie into the atonement and the, um, the doctrine that nobody comes to the Father 
except through Christ? Like, did they have their own version of the atonement on their planet? Did they have their, their own version of scripture? And that to me made me think, you know, this evidence that ancient aliens visited people in the ancient world, the evidence for UFOs, uh, even documented by people in the military, you know, military vehicles chasing um, UFOs through the sky. I was like, there's a lot of evidence that there's something going on here. I can't reconcile this with Christianity. Therefore, maybe Christianity is just like kind of a sliver of the pie right. instead of the whole thing. Maybe it's like one piece of the puzzle instead of being the, the ultimate answer. And um, I got into the work of someone named David Wilcock, who's a very prominent New Age teacher. He was on this program I was obsessed with called Ancient Aliens. Right. And um, so I, I got obsessed with his work, and he was an explicit New Age teacher, and that's really what drew me into the ideas of reincarnation, different theories about the afterlife, the idea that man's intrinsically divine, certain practices like meditation or yoga, or um, I was practicing lucid dreaming and astral projection, out-of-body experiences. And my research, I was a philosophy major at the University of Guelph in Canada, but I, I was so interested in the New Age that it trumped what I was even doing in school. It was like, this was what I wanted to do with my life was whatever this information, this occult information is pointing towards. I want to know what the truth is right? and how to reconcile that with Jesus, how to reconcile this with God, how to tie this back into say monotheism. I believe there was only one God by nature. Um, I didn't know how he fit into all this information, how Jesus fit in near death experiences that seemed to contradict the Christian worldview. So I, I ended up making a website um, a Facebook page first in 2012 called Spirit Science Wait, and Metaphysics. So you're saying it contradicted the afterlife experiences or near-death experiences with the Bible or with Jesus? Yes. How, is that from like what you would see on TV or what you would read about through the New Age? Both. So be, how, how would that conf conflict? Um, well, there was people who would have experiences of dying apparently, right? There's different ways to parse this and understand this, and I have five or six different theories that I actually outline in Chapter 10 of my book. Um, how to understand these near-death experiences. But some people would claim they'd go up to a heavenly realm and it would just be all peace and all love and all accepting. There'd be no Jesus. There'd be no angels. They'd be greeted by their loved ones up there. They'd get taken to um, a room where they would do a life review with their spirit guides. Oh, and, I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah. So they, we would have apparently spirit guides who are leading us and guiding us, giving us hints along the way through our life. And people would say, I met with my spirit guides and they took me through a life review and they told me all these things that I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to come back for another life to learn. And there was a website called neardeath.com that had all of these testimonies on there, people having these stories about going to the afterlife that seemed to kind of corroborate one another, but didn't corroborate what I was seeing in scripture. Right. And I was like, well, how do we understand this? There's many ways we can understand that. Some of it is um, just demonic, demonic dreams, um, demonic visions. You're not actually dead. dead. No, you're unconscious, right? And you're you're being taken on a, a demonic trip, right? Um, sometimes it's a DMT dump. Um, there's a thing that is theorized to happen when you're uh, about to die and your body is under extreme, extreme trauma. Your your brain produces a dump of DMT um, from the pineal gland, which we know uh, is a very powerful hallucinogenic compound. Mm -hmm. um, we also know that when people come into back to consciousness, that it takes only a few seconds to produce several hours worth of dreams. So if someone even did theoretically 
die and they stayed within their body and they came back too and there's those few seconds where they're disoriented and in a dreamlike state you can have an hour two hours worth of experiences as you're coming to in those few seconds wow. right mm-hmm. and um some of it could just be uh the flickerings of a dying brain there's something the, the brain will do where it will fill in gaps in our memory uh, with positive experiences of love and of light and of positivity um, if we're going through a really traumatic time physiologically or psychologically. Um, there's a bunch of different theories for how this is possible. Um, another one would be, why can't it be the case that someone does, their body does physically die, they get pulled out of their body, and they get taken on a, a deceptive journey, right? Because right? I had that happen. Yes. I was pulled out of my body, and I got taken on a deceptive journey. Why can't that happen for someone who is going to end up back in their body anyway, and they're just out temporarily, they come back, they go on some trip in the astral realm or whatever, some <laughs> demonically led vision happened to me, happens all the time in the new age. So with that said, when you're, uh, when you go to psychics or you're encountering this stuff, they, they talk to a spirit guide, which is a, a demonic entity. It's, it's a demon. So that's what we're talking about here is that people are, are these spirit guys, these demons are talking through people and and pouring into the whoever the the followers that come and get information. So if they do die, that's who shows up to them in that unconscious state is a spirit guide, which is a demon. Which you know says that the Bible the Bible says that uh, Satan become an angel of light. He can manifest however he wants, and he manifests like as an Indian, a shaman Indian, or like he can manifest as Jesus or an angel or whatever. Right, spirit guides. That's right. So then when you die or you're in this altered state, that demon manifest into whatever he was portraying himself to That's be. exactly right. There's a very interesting testimony. Uh, an atheist professor who had a near-death experience and he was greeted by these entities who were very loving and compassionate toward him. There was about four or five of them mm-hmm. and they were leading him down like this tunnel of light and he was having this beautiful experience like these are my, my guardian angels, my spirit guides. I didn't even know about them and Halfway to, through down this tunnel, the tunnel starts turning dark and these entities start being malicious toward him and they end up tormenting him for 30 minutes and like physically, sexually, you name it. Wow. And then uh, he started to have this song playing in his head, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he started crying out to Jesus. And then when he cried out to Jesus, the entities left, the entities fled and Jesus came down and took him out and rescued him and revealed himself to him and now he's a pastor right and so what happens when people experience just that demonic deceptive part and they're not able to see the full ramifications of their experience yep right and so for me i was like i didn't have these this these answers i was looking for at the time and i thought the new age interpretation was the only game in town Mm -hmm. for near-death experiences for the alien agenda the alien topic and it reached a point where my research reached a point where I need to start sharing this with the world. I felt like this was my obligation. I need to help wake people up to their true spiritual nature, their true spiritual self. And so I created a Facebook page uh, in November of 2012 called Spirit Science and Metaphysics. And in about a year and a half, it grew to over 800,000 followers. And then that's when I decided I need to make a website. And I had a lot of sharing permissions on other really big Facebook pages like the Mind Unleashed, Collective Evolution, Higher Perspective, uh, Spirit Science. And so when I was sharing, when I made my website and was sharing my articles, we would do share for shares on each other's networks. And so I was getting hundreds of thousands of views a day on my website. Um, It was crazy. 
article's getting millions of shares, not just views, That's but the share, the share count would be like 4.5 million Facebook shares off an article. That is insane. I know. I haven't seen anything do that. And that was one that pertained to the afterlife. The best selling, the best, sorry, the most viewed articles were ones that pertain to the afterlife. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, God's put eternity into the heart of man. Mm-hmm. And we all crave a supernatural understanding of the world. We go to the we go to the world for our answers and we're taught naturalistic Darwinian evolution and university. You know, we associate Christianity with our grandmother's Episcopal church or Catholic church. And then we're like, well, what's the other alternative? Well, here are the spiritual gurus with all of the answers, you know, supernatural experiences instantly with no moral accountability. And Mm -hmm. it's very, very appealing. Empower yourself. You know, you're actually divine by nature. Discover the divine, the supreme within you. What's, What's interesting is as you're saying that, I just watched that video you put out on your YouTube channel. Um, it was about a meditation yeah, and all the side effects of meditation because that's the one of the things that you were doing is you were meditating, right. which would lead you to the astral travel where you leave your body and you could talk a little bit about that. Um, but uh, so they were saying the effects of it is that people are getting anxiety. They're getting, uh, what, what were some of the effects? Yeah. So with meditation, there was a study that was published in 2017 led by uh, Dr. Willoughby Britton, professor of psychiatry and human behavior at Brown University. And what she sought to discover was what really are the negative side effects of meditation because over 75% of meditation studies don't control for the negative effects. And all we hear coming out of Time Magazine, coming out of television in self-help books is meditation is this wonderful fix-all pill that you can take for anxiety, for stress, for depression, for creativity, for sleep. Um, If you just meditate, you know, incorporate it's safe, there's no risk involved. And Willoughby Britton was doing an internship at a psychiatric hospital in 2006, and she was having people come into her unit who were having psychotic breakdowns from local meditation retreats. And that's what inspired her to look into this and be like, what's really going on here? And so what she did is she got um, 60 long-term meditators who had been meditating for at least 18 years. Most of them meditated between 1,000 hours and over 10,000 hours. So like Everybody had meditated for at least 1,000 hours for over the course of 18 years. What does meditating exactly mean? I mean, are you sitting right. there just making your mind blank or like what's what, what do they do? There's different meditation techniques. So Vipassana meditation will be where you're trying to bring awareness and consciousness to certain bodily sensations and organ points in your body. You're going to go into the liver and try and feel and get in tune with the liver. Wow, okay. And then transcendental meditation, for example, will, will be one where you will use a mantra that you will, you'll repeat over and over and over in your head as an attempt to try and shift your consciousness into more of like a trance-like state. Right, right. So you're trying to cultivate more of a trance. Mm-hmm. And then there's more what's called mindfulness meditation, which will be, I'm going to try and rest as the observer of my thoughts. I'm not going to identify with the thinker. I'm going to try and rest as the background awareness that observes the thoughts, right? And basically, all, but all of them will pursue emptiness of mind, stillness of mind, new relationship to our mind, new relationship to our ego, because the premise is um, in Hinduism and Eastern philosophy and in the New Age, the problem isn't the content, the problem isn't our wicked heart, the problem is the structure of the self, right? So the problem is your suffering emerges from you identifying as a personal self when really you're a a universal being, right? You identify with the ego mind when really you're the universal mind and you need to get into touch. So you need to lose your ego mind. Yeah. Dissolve the ego. I heard uh, Joe Rogan talk about that a lot. Yeah. Dissolve the ego mind, dissolve the personal sense of self. And underneath that, you'll develop a new relationship to 
you being pure consciousness, being pure awareness. Mm -hmm. And so it's really meant to alter and shift consciousness. And what the study found was that these people who were meditation experts, 60% of the participants were teachers. Um, 82% of them had experienced anxiety, depression, or grief. Um, I, through the video, I break down all the percentages, yeah. but uh, occupational impairment, emotional detachment, um, social impairment, things like suicidality, things like criminality of thought, um, panic attacks, mm -hmm. uh, sleep disorders, nightmares, night terrors, visual hallucinations, um, uh, re-traumatization, the experience, re-experiencing traumatic events from their past that would bubble up and surfle up. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, things that mirrored schizophrenic-like and psychotic-like symptoms. 17% um, said that they experienced inpatient hospitalization. Um, there was one girl on the show that you were talking about. She came back and she was like put into a, ment a mental institution. Some young girl from like, she was a teacher. That's or right. Yeah. She went on a, a, a retreat. Her work funded... Yeah, 37. Yeah. And her work funded her to go on a retreat because it's being incorporated into the workplace now. Yeah. Right? Meditation programs in prisons, in the schools. Um, they're teaching this to children, right? And so she was just going on this uh, retreat because apparently studies are linking it to productivity. And um, on the third day, she started to have all of these old memories resurface that she had previously dealt with. And it reached a point where she had a psychotic breakdown and spent months in a psychiatric hospital. And ever since then, she's been um, an alcoholic and she's been totally messed up and depressed. And, um, you know, these, ex these effects that Willoughby Britton gathered from meditation, they were very, very long term. Most of them lasted one to six months or one to three years. And this study really proved, hey, we're not, we're kind of being lied to about what the New Age movement has to offer. You know, there's other studies that have shown crystals have absolutely no healing power. Oh, really? For example, <laughs> yeah. Dr. French, uh, professor of psychology at the University of London, mm -hmm. did this study where he asked 80 participants to hold a crystal in their hand. They didn't know whether it was a real or a fake crystal. Okay. And to observe any effects they might feel coming off of this crystal in their hand because we're told they have special powers they have metaphysical powers they're emanating a certain energetic frequency that mm -hmm. if you bring that into your energy field it'll shift your energy field to be more loving or more grounded or whatever that stone okay, is supposed to represent so that's what they do yeah that's what they do <laughs> so what they found was that the people who were holding a fake crystal reported just the same amount of effects coming from the crystal as those who were holding a real crystal so the fake crystal produced just as much energy, sensation, tingling, um, metaphysical power as the real crystal. But what they found was that those who were told beforehand that were primed and told that crystals have some kind of special power, they reported more sensation that they'd feel from the crystal, even if it was the fake one. So what that shows is that this is a power of suggestion. It's the power of the placebo effect, which is a very powerful phenomenon. Right. And he concluded the study saying there's absolutely no evidence that crystals have any healing benefit or any power um, above a placebo effect. And so meditation is a billion, $1.2 billion industry. The crystal industry is a billion-dollar industry. When we actually look at these ideas scientifically and see what are peer-reviewed studies saying about them, um, the public's being lied to. We're being lied to by Deepak Chopra, by Oprah Winfrey, by Eckhart Tolle. And people's lives are being destroyed. People's yes. bank accounts are being drained. Yep. And they're left hopeless and broken and without, ultimately without answers. They're just taking people's money and just keeping, just ruining their lives, basically. It's Absolutely. And that's what happened to me. When I was meditating, I was noticing that I was developing a, rear, a weird relationship to my own thoughts and my own conscience. Like what? Well, we all have that voice in us that tells us, hey, you're not supposed to be doing that. 
Right. You know, hey, don't drive into oncoming traffic. That's yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Hey, don't steal that thing. Hey, you need to apologize to your wife. Right. You know, hey, you need to forgive that person. Hey, that was out of line. Hey, you mm-hmm. should stop doing that. Hey, you should stop watching pornography behind yeah. your wife's back. Like we have this conscience, right? This inner moral compass. And meditation teaches you stop identifying with the thoughts. Don't judge them. Just let them pass through. Right. Wow. You're the awareness behind the thought. So don't listen to the mind chatter. Right. If you feel a feeling come up in your chest and your motion, don't identify with that. Let it pass through. Right. That's not you. That's just a manifestation of something else. Let it pass through and rest as, as the awareness, as pure awareness. And it makes you start to alienate yourself from your own conscience. And that's what happened to me. It completely destroyed the relationship I had to that inner voice, yep. that inner moral compass, where it's actually me, a deeper part of me saying, Steve, clean your life up. Be more responsible. Be more accountable. Be more honest. Nope. Nope. That's just the ego mind. That's just mental chatter. That's just the ego. That's just the, think- that's just the thinker. And I'm not the thinker because I can observe the thinker. So I'm not going to pay any attention to what it's saying, essentially. And, and that's probably why meditation in the study, she linked it to um, criminality of thought. People would experience more criminal type thoughts um, when they meditate more. Another study came out uh, which linked people who have um, narcissistic tendencies, mm-hmm. they actually become less empathetic the more they meditate. And I think this is because it's disturbing the relationship we have to our inner moral compass. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me at the time, I'm practicing these things. I had crystals. I was putting crystals in my water, trying to charge the water I was drinking, all this yeah. crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I mean, that's if that's what they're telling you to do. Right. And I was teaching on this stuff, right? And so I made this Facebook page in 2012, made my article or my website in 2014, and hundreds of thousands of views a day, millions and millions of shares was making me $40,000, $50,000 a month in ad revenue. And I was just living it. I was living the life. You know, I bought a 4,000 square foot house. Um, I bought this cra- crappy sports car, souped it up. And I was just living it. I was yeah. like, this is God blessing me. This is the universe blessing me for waking up humanity to a higher state of consciousness. And uh, it reached a point. What happened was my brokenness, like it does with a lot of new agers, including new age teachers, my brokenness started catching up with me. And the sin that I was suppressing started to find me out. And I had to start confessing sin to people in my life. And that's when everything changed because I was able to see myself for who I actually was beneath all of this knowledge and beneath all of this false security coming from my worldview, false security coming from my finance, from anything else, any kind of crutch I had got ripped out from under me. And I was like, I'm just broken and I'm a wretch. I'm a slave to sin, Mm -hmm. right? Jesus says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And um, I, I felt enslaved. I felt in bondage and I was. So my mother was like, after I confessed a sin to someone in my life who I'd hurt, my mother was like, are you ready to give your life to the Lord yet? Because um, we sought counsel from her and um, she was praying for me the whole time. And I was like, sure, you know, I wanted to be honest with Jesus, intellectually honest with Jesus. I was, I released an article about two weeks before that time called five reasons we need to take Jesus more seriously mm-hmm. in the new age. And that got hundreds of thousands of shares as well. So, so how did that, how that fall in? Cause here you are in a place where you're, you have everything, you're starting to realize that you're a sinner, but then you're looking at Jesus. How did that all, what was that revelation where you found how it all fit in? Because you're still dealing with the, the aliens, the grays, and all that stuff. Right. And then you're seeing Jesus. Yeah. How'd that all fit in? How'd exactly. that all line? Exactly. Well, what happened is when I said the prayer of salvation with my mother, that was an invitation to be more intellectually honest with Jesus. Okay. And to stop trying to fit him in, fit him into this new age paradigm that I was... Uh, well, what do they think about him? Of? The new age. Yeah. They, they think that... Um, uh, he is, they think a bunch of different things, but the primary doctrine they'll teach, um, something taught by Russell Brand, Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle, Jim Carrey, 
um, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Marianne Williamson, is that Jesus was a teacher of Christ consciousness, that he was someone just like us, but who realized he's intrinsically divine, just like we all are. So the idea here is that God is an impersonal force in the universe. God is the very substance and being of reality itself. So we're made up of God, right? Our being is sharing in the being of God because we're literally made from God. And therefore, just like Jesus is the word made flesh, you're the word made flesh. Jesus is just someone who realized that. He's someone who realized there's something more to my inherent nature than just being a human person. And so uh, he had this journey of self-discovery and the belief was that Jesus' ministry was supposed to take us on the same journey of self-discovery where we realize our inherent deity. But how did they, I mean, Jesus did miracles. He healed the leopard, he, he healed the blind, made the deaf hear, you know. Yeah. Well, how did that all, how do they, how, yeah. what do they say about Jesus when, when we can't? Yeah. You know, like a new age guy, can, can they go around healing people? Yeah. They would say he did it through the power of magical visualization and tapping into the creative power, the creative force of God that's within him. And they'll turn to certain studies that link, you know, intention and thought with being able to affect things in the external world. There is some spooky relationship between consciousness and the material world where our thoughts and our intentions seem to be able to affect something outside of our, our brain. And so they'll draw from information like that to make a case that, you know, what Jesus did, he did it by his own power. Um, and you have that exact same power within you, that same source of, of, of divinity within you to heal. And so, of course, Jesus tells us he, he does what he sees the Father doing. He did it by the power of the Father. Um, and so we're obviously told that the Father is a metaphor for yeah. the impersonal force, Brahman, as the Hindus would call it, mm -hmm. um, prana or life force, as the New Age would call it. And so to reach this state of realizing that you are ultimately God, just like Jesus did, that is called Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness is being in the state of mind, the state of awareness. That you are God. That you are God. Right? Okay, before the break. What about the resurrection? How do they view that? They believe that he resurrected from the dead. Now, some people will say he didn't even exist. A lot of New Agers will say, yes, he certainly existed. Yes, he rose from the dead. But look at all these under, other accounts in Hinduism of people allegedly rising from the dead. He wasn't the first. Maybe he wasn't. So they have the, the same story. Like, oh, yeah, it happened over here. And right. The, they just don't know what the significance of it was, right. metaphysically speaking. And they'll say, well, he ascended into his light body nature. He really reached unity consciousness with God. And so he resurrected because he ascended. And our goal is to reach ascension as well. Like, uh, is it Buddhism or Hinduism where you be, uh, Nirvana? Is that the ultimate? Nirvana is the, the state of mind of reaching like absolute bliss. Got it. But what they would say is the goal of, uh, of Hinduism or yoga or meditation is to reach a state of consciousness called moksha. And moksha is the state where you realize that you ultimately are the supreme being, that the supreme being is all that there is. That state of mind is called moksha. And when you reach a state called moksha, then you leave the cycle of samsara which is the cycle of death and rebirth, reincarnation, where you're alleviating karma over and over again from a previous life. When you reach moksha, you've learned every lesson there is to learn, and you can now ascend on to something in the spirit world. You no longer need to be here anymore. And, and, that, and that's the lie of new age is that it's reincarnation. You just keep going over and over right. until you learn. So you're, you're like, I'm here on earth. I haven't learned yet. I'm still in the process. Yes. And you'll have a, the cycle. a potentially infinite number of lives here until you get it right. And that makes people think, well, if I mess up this life, who cares? 
I can work that off in the so next life. So you just like, whatever. Yeah, this one's already screwed up, so right, but then try he, better on the next one. Right, but then Hebrews 9.27 says, yeah. it's been appointed unto each man to live once, mm-hmm. and after that comes the judgment. Yep, and that's why the, the importance of the Word of God is because all these lies and deception, you have to... That's why I tell people all the time, I'm like, you have to read the Bible because there's so much garbage and stuff that through media, through shows, through media, through movies, just through people's conversations, you have to bounce it off the Word of God. Because right. the word of God is the word. That's how you know what's a lie and what's the truth. Because if it's so easy to get caught up in all this noise and distractions, we're going to go to a break in a minute. I have Stephen Bancars in studio. His new book is The Second Coming of the New Age. It's thick. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to read it. Um, yeah, where can they find this? Uh, you can get it through Barnes & Noble. You can get it through Amazon. Um, those would be the two best places to get it. Pick it up. And don't forget, I had him on the show a couple other times, and we went into some other uh, subjects as well. So go back to the Whosoever's app. You can download it. It's free. It has uh, the past shows for the last two and a half years. And don't forget, we are touring the public school system still. We are in the process of going to Colombia, Bogota, uh, where else? Chile, Europe. Um, Hong Kong is even on the mix now too, but they had that riot. So we're just, um, right. They did have that riot. Waiting to get that call back. So yeah, continue to uh, partner with us, pray for us, go to whosoevers.com. And, uh, we have plenty of, uh, products and I have Steven Bancars in studio and I'm going to plug this book again. Cause this book is going to be amazing. Cause I've had him on the show several times. Get the second coming to new age by Steven Bancars. Check out, you can get at Barnes and Nobles and other places. Uh, Stephen was was uh, trying to see how New Age movement fits with Jesus Christ. And you were just talking about how they were saying that they believe that he existed. They believe he became God. Just like when you're in New Age, we are, you become like God mm-hmm. and you share God's existence. And then he did die on the cross and he resurrected from the right. dead. Mm-hmm. But this is all part of the deception. They don't identify the reason why he died on the cross is because he was God. He took our sins that we've ever done and he, and he forgives us our sins and he washes us white as snow That's and right. he sends the Holy Spirit. So that whole part is gone. Right, exactly. Like Mark 10, 45, Jesus tells us why he came here. Um, he says, the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is what you would pay to uh, release a slave from the debt that he owes to his master. So, for example... More live with Ryan Reese coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say... whoop de doo Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. All right, we are back from the break, and I have Stephen Bancars in studio. And I'm going to plug this book again because this book is going to be amazing because I've had him on the show several times. Get the Second Coming to New Age by Stephen Bancars. Check out, you can get it at Barnes and Nobles and other places. And right before the break, we were talking about how uh, Stephen was, was uh, trying to see how New Age movement fits with Jesus Christ. And you were just talking about how they were saying that they believe that he existed. 
They believe he became God, just like when you're a new age, we are, you become like God Mm -hmm. and you share God's existence. And then he did die on the cross and he resurrected from the dead. Mm -hmm. But this is all part of deception. They don't identify the reason why he died on the cross is because he was God. He took our sins that we've ever done and he, and he forgives us our sins and he washes us white as snow and he sends the Holy Spirit. So that whole part is gone. Right. Exactly. Like Mark 10, 45, Jesus tells us why he came here. Um, he says, the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is what you would pay to uh, release a slave from the debt that he owes to his master. So, for example, if, if, if someone entered into a bond-servant relationship with someone that they owed a debt to, I would walk in and I would pay the, the master, the person who is owed the debt, I'd give him the payment mm-hmm. to release the bond servant from the debt he owes. That's what a ransom is, to release right. someone to, for, from captivity. And so we have an outstanding moral debt with God. You know, the wages of sin is death, and we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. And Jesus tells us why he came here, to lay his life down for the sheep and to give his life as a ransom to release us from that moral debt, right? Colossians 2 tells us that the record of offenses that stood against us was nailed to the cross and done away with, with its legal demands. So Jesus came to make us in positional right standing with God. Right. Justified by faith. Paul talks about being justified over 20 times in the New Testament. We're legally and judicially declared just and forgiven before the throne of God because of what Jesus did in bearing the penalty for for our sins on himself, being judged in our place as our substitute, as our proxy. And that's what releases us from the penalty of our sin and also from the power of our sin because we enter into relationship with God through the Holy Spirit who begins to set us apart from the effects of sin, the power of sin, mm-hmm. and break those chains. And um, that's he, st- he starts to increase that conscience of, of what you were trying to get rid of through New Age, right. of like the sin nature. Yeah. New Age is saying, no, no, don't listen to that. That's right. Don't listen to that. Shut that down. Right. But then the difference between God is he That's actually right. brings that in. Or there's this other garbage that they'll teach, which is don't just not shut it down. Go explore it. Go oh. go f- find out about yourself. You're on a journey, right? If you want to be sexually promiscuous, go do that. Oh, explore okay. that. If you want to take drugs, if you want to, um, I don't know, steal, lie, it's all going to turn into wisdom in the end anyway. It's all just lessons. You're here to learn lessons, and so make as many mistakes as you want. Chase after all those things the Bible no calls No way. Sin. That's crazy, that concept. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's like the perfect remedy for, you know, t- if you right. want to sin, just go do it, and it's all learning lessons. That's the way, it's all how they make lessons. it sound good. That's right, and so, so the nuts. goal is not um, truth. The goal is not God. The goal is self-development, and they def- they misdefine self-development, and people end up going down that path, ends up destroying them, as it did for me. And so when I came to this place of brokenness in my life, um, I realized I had to start being honest with Jesus. And yeah. so I ended up saying that prayer of salvation with my mom, and I, I was just like, okay, Jesus, if you are the son of God. Like you've never felt complete, right? Because I mean, new age always, Satan always promises you to feel peace and all these things. That's right. And you, nothing, that never That's right. came out of anything. I feel like uh, the best way I've heard it phrased is we all have a God-shaped hole in our heart. Yes. And, um, you know, everything else that you're pursuing outside of God is insatiable. If you're looking to those things to be your source of acceptance, identity, yeah. Security and love. Right. And those are four motivators that drive us unconsciously, whether we know it or not. Everything we do, everything we pursue is going to be motivated and dictated by those four basic needs we have as people. And those are ultimately meant to be 
meant to be met in Christ. Right. Right. Our acceptance, our security, our identity, mm-hmm. um, our source of love. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is meant to be ultimately founded and rooted in Christ. But when you're in the world, where else are you going to go? You're going to go to your work. You're going to go to your relationship, your social status. And um, it's insatiable because you can never have enough money. You can never have enough success, enough connections. You can never have enough. You can never be fit enough. Yeah. You can never have the approval of man or woman enough. Um, and it's just this empty cycle of wanting more. And you can never get high enough or drunk yep. enough. Yeah. You can never numb the pain enough. Yep. And um, for me, it was a mixture of wanting to numb the pain mixed with avoid the consequences of my actions mixed with not come to terms with the fact that I'm really messed up. I'm much more messed up than I know than I'm being self-honest about. Yeah. And um, so I was I was totally evil. I was wicked in my heart and more so than the average person who gets lost in the world. I was just um, a pathological liar, pathological manipulator. Um, and that all increased as you got in a new age. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It yeah. got worse and worse and worse the mm-hmm. deeper I got into the occult and the deeper I got into the new age movement. Um, my relationship to my conscience got more and more and more seared. Mm-hmm. And um, when I ended up just confessing some sins in my life, um, that's when I was like, okay, I really, I really need help. And then I was like, okay, well, there's always been something different and unique about Jesus. Um, new age teachers always go out of their way to try to account for him, but nobody else. You know, why don't I just give him a chance? And so I started to read the Bible a bit and read the Gospels and hear what Jesus has to say about himself. And the, I was, my jaw was dropping. I, was, I remember washing my car, like polishing my rims, getting ready to, I don't know, it was just outside. And I was listening to the, the Gospel of John for the first time. And the amount of times Jesus talked about hell and talked about the afterlife and judgment, it's like 30 to 40 times. And he would keep talking about it over and over. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He talks about hell more than heaven. Yeah. He talks about hell more than anyone else in the Bible combined. And maybe he knows something I didn't. Maybe he knows something we don't. And we all know he's an authority. We just don't know how high of an authority. And if Jesus is talking about the same thing over and over and over again, um, maybe we should take note. Maybe he's warning us of something yeah. here. And um, so I was just completely astounded at what I was hearing coming from the mouth of Jesus himself. And I was listening to a little bit of worship music as well during that time. I'm just feeling things that I still had my website up and um, still had all my new age books. And But it's always, see, this is the thing for the listeners. It's always a, a process. God yeah. starts, you don't have to clean up your life overnight. You just got to dive in and say, God, I believe in you by faith and reveal yourself. That's right. And, but then you got to like open the door for him to reveal himself. Like you got to start like reading and start listening to certain things and re- you know. That's right. Meet God halfway. Yeah. Right. Co- cooperate with God. You know, the Bible says, you know, whoever knocks, the door will be opened. Right. Whoever seeks shall find, but you have to seek, you have to knock. But there's an action. You got to knock. Right. Yeah. You got to do something, right? Yeah. You know, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Yep. Right. What does it look like to draw close? Right. And a lot of people want Jesus to fall down out of the sky and say, I'm here without them doing the drawing. Or they say, oh, I, I asked him into my life, but nothing's changed. Right. And so here's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you follow up with him, right. right? Because asking him into your life is not the biblical path to salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 
it can be if you, in your heart, you're turning from your sin and you're fully placing your trust in Christ mm-hmm. for your salvation. But sometimes people just go through the motions and be like, well, nothing happened. I didn't feel anything. I, I demanded Jesus to come into my heart and nothing happened. It's like, have you turned from your sin and trusted in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation yet? Because it's not just an emotional, it's not an emotional deal. Like, Jesus, right. forgive me for my sins. Okay, now my life's changed. No, there's a whole right. process. Right, there's a process, right? It's that repentance is the key. Yeah, exactly. Repentance. I, I think repentance is best defined. Um, the way I feel the Holy Spirit helped me understand it is when you're in the world, you have balls and chains mm. dragging you around and they're in front of you leading you, right? You're a slave to sin. You're a slave to that which you obey, as Peter says. And I have all these chains, brokenness, temptation, sin. They're dragging me around. And what Christ is asking, Christ isn't asking you to cut off all the balls and chains and clean up your life before coming to him. What he's asking you to do is to turn around, face him with all those balls and chains still attached and say, I'm not going to follow after them anymore. I'm going to follow after you instead. That's repentance. Mm -hmm. That's a change in mind and a change in in heart about which direction I'm going. And I'm going to put my faith in you, Christ, for my salvation. And that's when, I don't know, maybe 50% or 80% of those chains will come off immediately when you're born again. Some, it's a process. For me, there's been some, it's been a process, right? And so I was going through the beginning steps of this process. And it reached a point where when I had to confess another round of sin, that was worse than my first round I had confessed. That was actually criminal. Um, it was really wicked, really evil. And I confessed that. And after the person forgave me and um, over chose to overlook it and not prosecute me, um, that's when I, yeah, that's when I fell at the feet of Christ. And I was weeping and apologizing to him. And that was the first time I was like sincerely sorry over my sin mm-hmm. and had this revelation that I've, I've not just been a bad person, I've sinned against people, I've sinned against God. Mm -hmm. And it was this heart cry of, I need you, I'm all in, and I'm sorry, like all at the same time. And it was everything I had, just here it is, it's just brokenness, it's worse than brokenness. Mm -hmm. And- um, To experience that grace must have just been amazing. Yeah, because he showed up. Yeah. Right, and he- Like, how could he, how could he do this for me? Yeah. How could he do this for me? That's a question I, I've <laughs> I've been growing in the answer to for ever since I got saved because yeah. we, we sometimes carry very strong core beliefs about ourselves yeah. even after we come to Christ mm-hmm. that cause like shame beliefs. I'm not enough. Yeah. I'm not worthy. I'm a failure. It's just a, a matter of time before I fail again or whatever it is. And then here's God saying, I love you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're accepted. And it takes a while for our mind to be renewed mm-hmm. to what he says about us. But when I was in his presence and he was filling me and engulfing me and the whole atmosphere shifted and he was he was there with me, Jesus Christ himself was there. Um, for me, what I needed to hear, what I needed to, to really get a grip on was who are you? Who am I in relationship to you? Who are you in relationship to me? And in that moment, I could sense I was in the presence of the highest authority in heaven and on earth, the king, the king of the universe. That was... Uh, but what I felt. Yeah. And uh, he had that relationship over me, um, over nature. I could sense that nature itself was responding to him when he was there. And uh, I cry every time I tell the story. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yep. Cause it, it happened. It was, it's the real deal. It's not fake. God's not fake. It's the real deal. It's the real encounter. And it sounded like the crickets and the leaves on the trees and the sound of the wind, everything was um, pointing toward him and glorifying him. And uh, it says in Romans that, 
all of creation is crying out in the pains of childbirth and that it eagerly, it eagerly awaits his redemption. And I could, something was happening in the spirit when he was there where nature itself recognized he's the king. Here he is, our creator's here. And I, I, I was tuned into that. And I was like, if nature itself is responding to him, mm-hmm. who am I to deny him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the trees know who he is. Yep. And um, so I went back inside my house and uh, repented, gave my life to Christ. Um, that was the last New Age article I ever wrote. Um, that I repented online, told people, Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. It's the simplicity of Christ. He's the son of God, the Jesus of the New Testament. That's all it is. He is who he claimed to be. And I just encountered him. Not just once. I'm encountering him moment by moment through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who bears witness to us, leads us into all truth, testifies of Jesus. It's like I have Jesus in me now. Like he's within me. He's upon me. Yep. And I'm in the truth. I have the truth. Now it's just a matter of growing in it. Right. And I'm telling people the new age is demonic. It's a deception. It's all set up to lead people away from salvation in him and him alone. And um, that was four years ago, this September that passed. And ever since then, it's been, um, I've been in apologetics ministry, you know, defending the faith, um, exposing the deception of the new age movement and, um, you know, by God's grace, I have the privilege of being able to come out the other side and now help people and expose the deception behind the very worldview and the very practices that I was allured by. And um, God has used, you know, videos of mine on YouTube and even our interview. I've had yep. people come up to me and say, I saw your interview on Ryan Reese. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. A YouTuber named Jason A. Like, re- up oh, yeah. His he, channel. Yeah, he has like millions, right? Yeah, it got like almost a million views. Yeah, people saw that interview. Yeah, so yeah. God has God's been, using it big time. He's working in the New Age movement, man. He's I, leading a lot of people out. I have a question because we're going to talk about this book as well, even more. But uh, so what do they think about the Holy Spirit, the New Age movement? Because now you're saying, hey, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So what, 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 how does that resonate with the New Age movement? Yeah, the, 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 the Holy Spirit they will give, they will use as sort of a, a metaphor for um, life force energy or prana. So the energy that kind energy, of, everyone says that in LA. Oh man. Yeah. I want to talk about that after. Yeah. Energy. Kind, kind of the energy that makes us who we are. Um, that's the Holy Spirit. We all have this uh, life force that sustains us and that ultimately makes up every cell in our body. And um, it's basically just a metaphor for God. Um, and if, That's the force. Yeah, that's the force, mm-hmm. right? And then if, that, if we have some insight of wisdom that we feel like, feels like comes from outside of our own natural understanding, we'll say, oh, New Agers will say, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit gave me that. Marianne Williamson in a book called The Course in Miracles, a channeled book that has sold millions and millions of copies. It was pushed by Jimmy Carson in the 90s, been pushed by Oprah Winfrey. She was actually a presidential candidate for the Democratic Party. I made a video recently exposing her um, as Oprah. being a New Age teacher. Uh, Oprah and Marianne Williamson. Um, but in The Course in Miracles, if you pick up this channeled material, um, the word Holy Spirit is probably used in there a thousand times, right? But they're just redefining terms. And so we have to have a correct understanding of how Jesus, how the apostles who walked with Jesus used these terms. What was their understanding of who the Holy Spirit was, right? The Bible says, first of all, we have to know the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a person, 
right? Mm-hmm. The Bible Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit has a will. The Spirit appoints gifts to the church as He wills. As He wills. Um, the Spirit has a mind. The Spirit has emotions. The Spirit can be grieved. Um, the Spirit speaks verbally in Acts like six or seven times. Um, the Spirit has opinions, right? Paul says it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit's a, a divine person who has all the properties and characteristics of God, all-powerful, omnipresent, um, but only shares his attributes and his fellowship with those who've been born again in, in Jesus Christ. Um, that's the promise of the Father that Jesus gave to those who would repent and, and believe on him. And that was the missing piece that I didn't have when I was in the New Age movement. Um, I didn't know that there was this personal person who would live inside of me, um, who has 60 to 70 functions as outlined in the New Testament. I didn't know that I could be in a living relationship with God whereby he makes his abode in me, whereby I have direct knowledge of him, right? Jesus says in John 17, three, I love this. He says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only God. He doesn't say this is eternal life that they believe. This is eternal life that they believe plus obey. Right. This is eternal life that they have knowledge of you, right? God says, if any man's going to boast, and Jeremiah, if any man's going to boast, let him boast in this that he understands and knows me, right? We can have knowledge of God, and that comes through relationship with Christ by the agency of the Holy Spirit. Inside of you. And I remember laying in bed one night, feeling the Holy Spirit, the presence, the self-authenticating, self-verifying presence mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's present, it, it assents, he assents to a worldview, a certain set of facts about the Bible, about how we ought to live our lives. He's in agreement with things, mm-hmm. right? And he's in agreement with Christ. And I'm laying in bed and I'm like, this presence, there used to be nothing there. There's a personal presence where there was once nothing. And this personal presence is encouraging me to read the Bible, to yep. f- flee from sin. He's giving me power over sin. He's telling me I'm loved, that I'm a child of God, that I'm safe and secure, that I found the truth. I'm like, this is the missing piece. People don't know that Christianity is pure spirituality at its core. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 14, he says, I pray that you guys would have fellowship with the Spirit, right? It's not dry religious rule keeping and behavior modification so that maybe one day we'll balance the scales enough so that we can go to heaven. It's there's nothing I can do to balance the scales. Christ did everything for me. And if I trust in his work alone and realize there's nothing I can contribute to my own salvation, except the sin that made it necessary, which he's taken care of in full. If I just believe on him and receive by faith and faith alone, the free gift of salvation. The Bible says we receive the Holy Spirit upon the hearing that comes with faith. The Holy Spirit is given to us by faith as a free gift. I got a question for the Holy Spirit stuff. So why is it that a lot of believers that they they give their life to the Lord, and this is just, I want you to answer for for the people that are listening is that there's there's never a change because you're saying well you just believe and then God gives you the Holy Spirit, but there's there's people that there's never a, a change in their life. Right. What is it that they haven't like received the Holy Spirit in them? They just they just asked they have it in them but not upon them. Right. I would say well I would say a few things on that. One, but Paul tells us to examine ourselves mm-hmm. and test to see if we're in the faith. Um. And there's, I guess the way you examine yourself is you read the Bible and compare your life to the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's certain fruits. But people aren't reading the Bible, back to what I was saying before. That's right. And, <laughs> and the Bible does say a, a very good chapter to read on this would be uh, a, a good book would be First John. 
In 1 John, there's a lot of characteristic marks of a transformed life, marks of a born-again believer, because we don't want just a profession of Christ. We want possession of Christ. And the Bible says there's going to be certain things in our life that change. We're going to have a new relationship to sin, 100%. And, you know, we're going to grow in that. Maybe it'll take six months for God to convict us of stop using the F word or something. But we're going to grow in sanctification. There should be kind of a progress there, right? The Bible says in First First John, chapter three, that anyone who makes a willful practice of sin is not born of God. For for anyone who's been born of God has God's seed abiding in him, and he cannot continue making a practice of sin. So, if you're listeners, so if you're giving your life to Jesus, and you're like, I'm a Christian, but you're still watching porn all the time. You're still out partying. You're still sleeping with your girlfriend. You're you're still lying. You're cheating. There's been no transformation. You can't say you're a Christian. I've said that to people before because I go, there's people in this crowd right now that are living the same life that they've been living since they gave their life to God six years ago. Mm-hmm. You're the same person. Right. So what if you come to church every time? Some, you're still going to church. You still go to the men's conferences, whatever. Look at Judas. Right. Judas was with Jesus and the disciples for three years. Right. What would we Never do? had a relationship. Exactly. And Zero. There's going to be fruit. There's going to be evidence of that relationship in our lives. Yeah. Like, what does the Bible mean when it says in 1 John 5, 18, no one born of God continues making a practice of sin. Yeah. What does Paul mean when he says, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. New creation. Old things have passed away. Mm-hmm. Behold, all things have become new. Um, there's literally dozens of verses like this. Yeah. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yep. Right? This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome to us. Right? Jesus says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love even as I, I keep my father's commandments and abide in his love. So one answer to that question is like, well, I, I do believe I intellectually assent to the gospel, but my life hasn't changed. Intellectually assenting isn't enough. That's the first step. Right. But the Bible says in James, even the demons intellectually assent, right? <clears throat> and the Bible, he, he's being sarcastic in James. He's basically like, way to go. Your faith is that of demons. You know, even the demons, even they believe, believe it says, and they're yeah. more pious than you because they tremble at his name. You don't yeah. even tremble at his name. Yeah. And he says, can that faith save someone? No, that faith is, he calls it useless, but he says, there's a type of faith that will result in works, right? Because faith without works is a dead faith. It doesn't mean we need faith plus works, right? It means we need faith that works mm-hmm. evidence of a real saving faith of Things a born change. again faith. It'll produce in us a new nature. We're born again, not by the will of man, but by the will of God, born again of the spirit, John 3. And that produces a new nature in us where our spirit man becomes reconciled unto God by the Holy Spirit. And out of that new nature and our desire to honor Christ in our new nature, it's going to produce a new change in us. God says in Ezekiel 36, he will put his spirit inside of us, causing us to keep his commandments. And so that would be a first place I would really want people to start. I'm not going to be one of these people saying, well, God's with you anyway, and you know, you're know you just in a dry season. I don't know. For some people, they might not actually be saved. They might be, they might be self-deceived yep. about their own salvation. Jesus mm-hmm. says, many will say, Lord, Lord, on that day, we did many mighty things in your, in your name. He yep. says, that's a scary verse. And I will tell you, mm-hmm. depart from me, you workers of iniquity. iniquity. Yep. You know, I never knew you. And so I don't want to create fear fear in people who are really saved and think, well, I'm not doing enough in order to get to heaven. It's not about that. Yep. Do I have a changed relationship to sin, to the world, to myself, to the word of God? Am I following up in my relationship with yeah. God? 
Um, well, listen, we're we're, we're going to end the show, but we're going to you know what we're going to I'm going to have you back on next week, and we're going to do another show, and we're going to keep this thing ripping. But check this out. Jesus said, going back to the commandments thing, you were saying, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you're loving the Lord with all your heart, what are you? What do you? What what's in your heart? What are you putting into your heart? All your mind? What are you watching? You know, and all your soul. What like what look at the way you're living your life and that will show you where your relationship is with, with God. Because if you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, everything in your mind does not go out and sin and put all this garbage in your mind. That will that will show you where your walk is with God. Every day when I wake up, I'm like, God, I'm not the best person. You know, I'm still dealing with stuff in my past, but I need you to forgive me daily because it's we can walk in that forgiveness daily. Secondly, Fill me with your spirit. That's the power from heaven that we were talking about, the Holy Spirit, to help me get over and and stay away from things that are dragging me back to that old life. And um, just use me for your glory. He uses ordinary men to do extraordinary things. And that's for all of you guys that are listening today. God could get an ordinary person that's messed up. He's looking for you, and he wants to change you. But the thing is, is you have to give your life to God. You have to read the Bible. And you got to compare the truth what's in the scriptures to the lies what's in the world. And that's where you know where you stand in God. And remember, Satan is the condemner. He wants to condemn us. But Jesus has come to forgive us and to give us everlasting life. I love you guys. And we will be talking next week with Stephen Bancard. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan... Click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese.